Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, welcome to um, this special episode of Literary Quest. Today we are talking about The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. It's a children's book that was published in 1964. This, this is a special episode for us, for me specifically. Um, we are doing this in honor of my brother Casey, who passed away on July 14th this year. One of the um, last books that Casey read and that was read to him was this book. Um, and so because of that, this book is particularly special to me and to, it was special to him and it's special to my family. So I thought to honor him, we might discuss this book, which isn't technically fantasy, but it does feature a talking tree. And that's like half of the second Lord of the Rings book. So I figured it, it qualified and was close enough. Um, the Giving Tree features two characters. It features the tree who is female, it's a female gendered tree. And it features the boy who eventually grows into a young man, a middle-aged man and an older man. <laughs> Our plot section is really short, um, but Vicki's gonna briefly talk about it. Yeah, so The Giving Tree is a tale about um, a tree and its relationship to uh, boy, it's all uh, the boy is always called boy by the tree, even as it grows, even as he grows up and becomes an old man, it's always boy to the tree. And it follows um, sort of the stages of life with the boy. Um, and the boy comes to the tree as a child, um, playing under it, then he comes um, back later on. And the tree gifts him with branches to make a house gives him with apples to sell so he can make money um, and then gives him with its um, her trunk so that he can carve a boat and finally um, at the end the tree becomes just a place to rest for the boy now that he's an old man so and all of these acts of service that the tree does for the boy is what makes the tree happy uh, so I have lots of memories with this book. Um, this was one of the books that my mom read to us a lot when we were kids. Um, and I, I mean, at a certain point, um, I have told it to my nephews, uh, just as a story without reading it from the book, um, just to, just to tell them a story and, um, before Casey ended up at our house. This was one of the last books that he was reading in his house. And um, this was one of the things that my mom had read to him before he had passed away. So this book is wrapped up in a lot of like memory and meaning for me. Do you have memories of this book? I do. So this book was in 
read to me too often the way it was for you. Uh, however, it was definitely read to me, um, you know, by my mother. And the memories that I have of it are the illustrations. Um, a lot about the illustrations is what I remember. And it's very, I also felt that it was always very representative of like a mother's love. Um, although I also always kind of felt bad for the tree. I feel like, but yeah. the, the illustrations, they are, they always stood out because they were really, I mean, they were kind of simple, you know, and even just the wording of the book, it's just, and the tree was happy and stuff. It was, it's just a book that I think a lot of um, people are read when they're children. Um, you know, you, it was published in the 60s and we're both 80s, 90s kids and we grew up with this book, you know. Um, so I think it really kind of stands the test of time. I know my sister reads it to her nephew or her nephews, um, her boys, she reads it to them. Yeah. So it continues to be this long lasting book and story that gets passed down. Um, even if there is some sort of, I guess, controversy around the givingness of the tree, <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I didn't realize quite how much controversy there was or symbolism there was regarding this book until I started like Googling. I did not, I took some depth from it, but not to the extent that other people found, which I find interesting. I think it changes a lot as you get older. Yeah. You know, I think the perspective as well is going to be different from the 60s. Mm-hmm. To- to the way that we look at things now too. Yes. You mentioned the illustrations. Um, Mm -hmm. What about them was significant or stuck with you? So, like I said, they're simple. They're black and white, right? Mm -hmm. At least the book I had was in black and white. It's simple. It tells, even if you didn't, couldn't read, right? This is one of those books you can look at it and you can be like, I see what's happening. I understand what's happening, you know? Um, and so I think the simplicity and the e- like ease of it stood out to me, especially as a kid. It was something that I could easily visualize in my head and on paper, you know, and follow yeah. along with. So, I mean, even when you suggested um, doing this book, I remembered it. Yeah. Like, I don't really remember illustrations of too many other books. Even if I really loved them, there was this um, really sweet book. It was like the, um, I don't even remember the name of it, but it was like these, they weren't mole children. But anyway, they were children under the ground. Mm -hmm. And my mom read that book to me a ton, but I don't remember them the way I remember these illustrations. And those illustrations were gorgeous. Yeah. You know, vibrant and stuff. I do remember that, but there's these, these illustrations in this book just pop in a way I do I think it's the I mean they're really minimal there's a, a minimalism to the illustrations in these books or in this book and I really like that it's not a, a lot of times when I think I ever look at like the kids books that my nephews have and there's a lot of really bright colors they're yeah. very the illustrations are very involved and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's certainly captivating and it's eye-catching um, but I really enjoy this, especially as an adult now. I really enjoy the simplicity in the illustrations in this book. Like you said, that you can, even if you can't read, you can glean the story from what's happening in them. 
part of me wonders if my love for the Ents and the Lord of the Rings books and movies stems from my affection as a child for this book. Is this where my love for fantasy truly began with this talking tree? <laughs> Yeah. Interesting to trace things back. Yeah. Where they started. Yeah. Right. It's probably not it, but <laughs> <laughs> we can say. But can say I mean, it. yeah. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, this is a book that, that had a lot of impact on tons of kids, you know? I mean, I'm willing to bet almost anyone in our generation, you ask anyone, they're going to remember this book. Right. There's a lot of, so like I said, I was doing just some, a little bit of background research on this book before we talked about it. There are a lot of um, sort of controversial or, or more serious themes that are tied to this book besides it just being like a, a children's book. People have found a lot of depth from some of the things in this book. And one of those things is the... Um, like you said, the, the relationship between a mother and a child specifically, because the, the tree is referred to as a female um, and sort of the, the representation that that has for, for parenthood uh, and a, a mother's unconditional love. And that's, that's if I was going to tie like one specific thing or something to, to this book, that would be the one that I would think of. I agree. Um, I also looked up the book um, and I know people related it to motherhood as well as friendships. Now, I think as a friendship, this would be a fairly toxic friendship. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in terms of being in motherhood, this is very much, I mean, it's not great. This I don't think you should treat really your mother this way. Like, oh, thanks. Give me this and then run off and don't show up for years again. Yeah. You know, but that willingness to give your child everything to make them happy mm -hmm. you know the you sacrifice wanna, the sacrifice you want to provide for them you know keep them safe keep them happy you know and I also think it's interesting you know when he comes back even though he's aged you know she still offers like um oh like swing from my branches you know kind of remembering him and she always calls him the boy yeah he's always the boy and that's when you're a mom like that's they're never like it's always your kid yeah always your kid um I mean I don't have kids but from talking to my <laughs> from what I've observed from talking to my sister and my mom or parents it's right it's your kids you don't like you look at them and I like I mean I look at my nephews and I'm like I remember you being a baby right that's kind of like you know and they're much older now yeah that reminds me of that statement specifically. There's this kid's book and it makes me cry every single time I read it. It's like, I'll love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, you, my baby, you'll be. It's like, um, okay, yeah. every single time I read that book, it makes me cry. So what is, I don't know, kid's books, man. They're it's deeper than you think they are, I guess. Yeah. This um, also, I mean, books in general, I guess, kind of, uh, children books, I guess they kind of seem to be about parents and mothers a lot in general. Because mm. um, there's another book that this always makes me remember. It's this really sweet one, and it's this bunny rabbit, right? And it's like, I'm going to turn into a bird and fly away. And the mother bunny is like, well, I'll be a tree, and I'll be where you can come back and nest in. 
you know, the mother's always just like, I'll always be there, mm-hmm. you know? And then the end is, I guess I'm happy just being the bunny with my mom sort of thing. Yeah. And it's just, so this, it's interesting that for both of us, this book is tied to other books about parents. Yeah. You know? Mamas. <laughs> don't deserve the Mamas, my gosh. We don't. I think as the boy ages, it kind of reminds me of how the relationship between a parent and a child can change too. So when kids are younger, obviously they, they tend to spend a lot more time with their parents and they require and are frequently given a lot of physical contact. And that starts to change as the child changes. They grow up, their needs change. You know, teenagers, young adults, older adults even tend to spend a little bit less or a lot less time with their parents depending on circumstances and their demands um, monetarily physically are going to change as well and I think that's translated some in how we see the boy start to age and the way that it interacts with the tree it goes you know it goes from spending all of its time with the tree to not being around for a few years you're spending less time and then even more time and even more time in between how often it sees the tree. I also sort of noticed there seems to be a message or I wonder if there's like a message about how um, monetary investments don't necessarily bring you happiness. So the, the kid gets a lot of happiness just from spending time with the tree, playing with its leaves and its branches, eating its apples, all of those things. And, but when the boy gets older, it needs money. And so the, the tree offers its apples. And then the boy says, I need a, a house so that I can get married and have kids. And so it gives the limbs to build a house. And he, the boy states that he's either too big or too busy to play. Yeah. And then he comes back and he's sad. He says that he's too old and sad to play. And he wants in a, bo- like a boat to escape from his life. And so having a money, having money and having a house felt important to him when he was younger. And then as he's an older adult, it makes me wonder if he either wasn't able to obtain as like a wife and a kid, or despite having those resources from the tree, he obtained them and lost him. Either way, he ends up being older and sad. Um, and in every situation, he comes back to the tree and he has an excuse for being unable to play. And it makes me wonder, you know, and that's something that's great about kids. Like they have this wild whimsy and playfulness about them. And a lot of times I feel like as adults, we, we can lose that. We can be caught up in those monetary demands that we feel like we have to have or things like that. So the tree is an invitation to remain playful, I think. I think I also read on Wikipedia that um, people also relate it to uh, environmentalism, mm-hmm. how we keep taking and taking from the environment. I'm not sure if that's where the author was going with this. Yeah. Really? It was written in the 60s. I mean, I guess environmentalism was definitely still a thing then, but I don't necessarily think to the extent it is now. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much thought, I, I really wonder how much thought the, went into this book. You know? I do too. We can't ask Jill Silverstein because he's dead, but yeah, because yeah. I mean, look how many people like people interpret it so differently. You know, we've got 
it is a parent-child relationship. We've got friendship relationship. We've got stages of life. We have environmentalism. We have, I'm forgetting one. There's another one. But anyway. All capitalism. These, always capitalism. Always comes back. Yes, but that's what it was, capitalism, right? Um, all of these different things that this book can represent. And it's such, I mean, what do you think about it? It's such a simple book, mm. right? It's, if you just read it outright, it's the boy, like the tree just gets a boy stuff, mm. right? But it can have so much more meaning depending on who's reading on it, depending on what your memories are with the book, mm -hmm. you know? It's interesting how much something that may seem so simple can take on, can be so symbolic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. One of the one of the biggest criticisms with this book that I've heard is that it doesn't represent a healthy relationship because there's a pretty distinct lack of boundaries. And we don't see that in the tree until the end when it's just a stump and it, it says, and the tree was happy, but not really. And I think that's a conversation we have now because there is such a push for creating safe boundaries for each party that's involved. And I don't know that that was a conversation that was as prominent when this book was released in the 60s. Does it say the tree was happy, but not really? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking at the very end, where he's sitting on the stump. Yeah. The I think it says the tree is. was happy. Yeah. yeah, it says in the tree was happy because the boy's there. Right. He's not alone any longer. Right. But right after he takes her, her trunk and he makes a boat, it's just this like sad kind of wilty looking stump. I know. And it like straightens out. kind yeah, of. Yeah. It lifts itself up, becomes a, a nice, you know, prominent trunk for the boy to have a seat. And that's nice. I just noticed this in the image, but you know, when the boy is younger, he, um, he carves his initials into the tree and then he carves his initials plus someone else. It's not the tree. Mm -hmm. And after he takes the trunk, um, it's just the initials between the tree and the boy. And that's, that's one of the last images. It's the boy sitting on the trunk and it's got his initials with the tree and a heart on it, which is a sweet, it's a sweet image. Kind of that, them reuniting. That makes me want to go hug my mom. But yeah. she is in Pennsylvania, <laughs> so I can't. One of the things that sticks out to me most, one of my favorite parts of this book is like the first two pages. Um, it says, it's just the tree. And it says, once there was a tree and she left a little boy. It's the first and last page, the first and last illustrations. I just, I remember so clearly something about them. I remember them so clearly um and they made the biggest impact on me you know, in my life yeah and I think about it those are those, those so that those are the things that that come to you mm. very beginning and very end yeah mm. reading was always super important to my mom she read to us all the time she had a rocking chair she went to a billion different stores looking for the right rocking chair and she would rock us. And she would read to us. And she kept reading to us. And she kept reading to Casey. That's actually one of those really, like, kind of full circle moments there. Yeah. In life. 
my mom also read to me and my sister a lot. She made a point as well. She called it rendezvous. Um, and we would all get together at a certain point of the day and read um, a book together. Like I just remember we'd get in like the hammock or we'd all gather around on the sofa or something and she would read to us. Mamas. <laughs> it's all going to come back to mamas, I think. Mamas are the best. <laughs> Reading translated into something being really important for us. And it sounds like for you too, obviously, because we do this podcast together. Yeah. My uh, reading tastes and Casey's were super different. He was like his favorite author was Hunter S. Thompson. He was super into um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he also really liked um, James Bray. He wrote the book A Million Little Pieces, which is also one of Casey's favorite and then favorites. And then the book My Friend Leonard, which he mm. tried to get me to read a couple of times and I just couldn't get into it. But um, he really liked, he really, that's the author that went on he was on like Oprah and um, there was a lot of controversy surrounding his book. Uh, and Casey thought that was just super interesting. And really liked the guy's story. So. It's great that it reading stayed so pivotal, pivotal to both of you. Yeah. Like that. We went back to his apartment and, and went through um, some of his things the other day. And he's going through his bookshelves and he's like, this is mine. He stole this from me. <laughs> 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 and this book was mine. And this book was mine too. So <laughs> obviously not, not bothered by that. But The other book that The Giving Tree makes me think of is, I can never remember the name of this book either. Let me look it up. The Fall of Freddie the Leaf. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yes, it is about, and this is why I kind of, when I think of the giving tree and this leads me to think of the fall of Freddie the Leaf, I wonder how much you pick up on like with the giving tree being kind of like stages of life and stuff because the fall of Freddie the Leaf is a book that's supposed to help you come to terms and understand death. Is there anything you want to, I know you said you're kind of down the book, anything you want to say about Casey, your family, anything like that that you want to? Um, let me just wrap it up. Um, this episode's kind of different from the ones that, obviously, it's actually super different from the ones that we typically put out. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to use it as an opportunity to memorialize or, uh, yeah, I guess memorialize is probably the right word. My brother, who was uh, so well-loved and who was hysterical and had the loudest, um, best laugh and who saved everything, <laughs> receipts. He, um, <laughs> when um, one of the last, the last little jaunt that we took was to a dollar store in town and he wanted to pick up thank you cards because people had been sending him mail um 
get better seeing cards and things like that. And, um, or just like they were thinking about him cards. And so he wanted to pick out cards to send back to them. And so we went through every thank you card in the Dollar Tree and checked out. And he asked me if I was going to throw my receipt away. And I said, yeah. I said, well, can I have it? I said, why? He said, well, I might need it for something. <laughs> um, he kept lists. He saved everything. He, um, he used to work at another dollar store in town and he would always save people's receipts because there's a, like a little coupon thing or you get points or whatever on the bottom of a lot of them. And so he would collect those receipts and register the points and send them off. And, um, a lot of his mail would come to our house. And so he would get like, got a cooler for Mountain Dew one time and a, like a vest and, so many t-shirts and hand towels and feel like sports towels and things like that from <laughs> collecting those receipts and getting points and he um saw everything as something that he could make something with or craft Casey just he saw the potential for use in everything and I, I always thought that was uh, admirable because uh, I don't a lot of times see see things that way so I just wanted to uh, talk about one of the books that was meaningful to him and to us and my family and my mom and him in his last days um, because I host a book podcast and those are meaningful to me and to us. And so this is for him. So thank you for listening. Okay. For, for honoring Casey with me. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.